0: to be a New York Giant. Maybe not quite ready to go that far, but things certainly heading in a better direction than years past. Welcome to another Podthorn episode. And this is Bam riding solo today. Going to talk a little New York Giants. We're going to recap the off season here. Look ahead to the draft. Uh, obviously, we're normally a Nets podcast, but with the draft just two days away... I wanted to just, you know, kind of get my thoughts out there. Uh, Just finished watching Trey Young send the Boston Atlanta series back to Atlanta for a game six. And here we are. So let's kind of get into it. I was going to do this with Sam. He couldn't. He's a giant fan. Clay's a Bronco fan. So he probably wouldn't have helped out this one too much. And then my nemesis, Mr. Darboz, Eves. He's a giant fan. At least he says he is, but... Mostly hates on the team, including Eli Manning, and I I can't allow that on this podcast. So uh, a year ago, the Giants hired Brian Dable, hired Joe Shane uh, off of another just putrid season under Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge. uh, And really just a string of just bad football, uh, really from 2013 on. They had the one pit stop here in 2016, uh, where they were one and done in the playoffs. But up until this year, the Giants have been... The pits of the NFL. Uh, there's all these different machinations out there where, you know, the Giants have the worst record of the NFL since then. It was basically them and the Jets until this past season where the Giants got past them. So those guys come into a pretty bleak situation. They don't pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley's an impending free agent coming off of two injury-riddled seasons. The team had been bad. They were tied up against the salary cap you know, I think their biggest signing last offseason was Mark Lewinsky. Uh, but they were armed with two top 10 picks. So expectations were certainly low. Uh, but the Giants had a surprising season. Got off to a hot start, 6-1. and one. Did finish 9-7-1. and one. Uh, Brian Dable named coach of the year. Beat the Vikings in the playoffs 31-24. Before getting just absolutely trounced by the Eagles 38-7. Uh, kind of bringing the, the Giants back to reality that this is still a, a team and a franchise that has a lot of work to do. So when, when it came to the offseason, we all knew the biggest stories. were going to be the contracts of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So l- let's start with Barkley. Number one, I feel bad for the guy and I feel bad for running backs all over the NFL. Saquon signed to the tag $10 million a year. And it's the right decision. You you can't pay these backs long-term. When you have the tags available to you, you have to use them. The the position is just too injury-riddled. We've seen this. There's data now backing this up over time that they're not necessarily huge game-changers. But, you know, when you see guys like Alan Lazard and uh, Jacoby Myers getting more money than players like Saquon and Pollard and and Jacobs on the Raiders, you a guy who led the league in rushing, it really is a tough spot for these backs, but I think the Giants handled that situation properly. Uh, Barkley has not been able to stay healthy over the last few years. He obviously bounced back last year. And he's a great guy. Like You get everything you want out of a player in Saquon. He's a a, a good company guy, never says anything wrong. You know he's putting in the work. But ultimately, not overreacting to the quasi-success the team had last year, I think Shane... Had the right idea here that a long term deal wasn't smart. Now, let's be fair, there were offers out to Saquon. We know that, and this isn't speculation. It's come straight from Joe Shane's mouth. Now, he did say when free agency started and, and the running back class, the market clearly had cratered, you know, those deals came off the table, and essentially Saquon's going to be back on the franchise tag. Now, the bigger one and probably more polarizing is daniel jones and daniel jones is a, a funny dilemma for me here because it depends on who i'm talking to how my tone is because there's there's two trains of thought amongst giant fans there's the giant fan that just think the guy stinks they want him out of here they're going to point to his 15 touchdown total uh, they're going to point to his overall body of work and say that, you know, this guy had an average season at best, at least statistically, for an average team. And the Giants overreacted to it and, and gave him some, some money. Then you have the Giant fan that loves Jones and thinks nothing is his fault, right? Everything is it's the offensive line. It's the receivers. He's had bad coaching. And, and these are valid points to make. You know, you can't really argue against that. But the truth with Daniel Jones lies somewhere in between. And it's almost a shame to say this, but we just still really don't fully know about Jones. There's been enough bad play on tape to certainly have my concerns, and I do. I mean, receivers are not 15 touchdown passes in a 17 NFL game season is bad, right? He's yet to hit the 4,000-yard mark. He hasn't hit 20 touchdowns since his rookie year he hasn't really even sniffed it there's been injuries and there's of course been talent deficiencies around him but on the flip side you know again daniel like saquon brings all the characteristics you want into your locker room good guy puts the work in keeps his mouth shut very much like eli easy to root for tough guy despite getting hurt you know he is tough he takes hits he plays hard he competes And he has had those talent deficiencies around him. I mean, the coaching staffs in general, the offensive line, really up until this year, hasn't had one player that you would say, this guy's good, like we know for sure he's good. You know, Andrew Times kind of stamped his path there. And I I do have to say, I copied that line from my brother. He's been saying it for years, just name me one good lineman. So I, I did bite that from him. So I think the Giants' approach to... Daniel made sense. First off, dating back to not picking the the fourth uh, fifth year option up, that was the right decision. It backfired in hindsight, but the Giants could not, particularly these two guys coming here new to Daniel, new to the system with a short amount of time to make that decision, lock into a 20 plus million dollar year guarantee this year. Things could have went south, and they'd be stuck, a la the Panthers uh, with Sam Darnold just a couple years ago. So the Giants didn't want to put themselves in that spot, and they they didn't, and that was the right decision. A combination of the team's overall play and record and Daniel's play also made it almost impossible. In terms of free agency, where else were you going to go? Were you going to sign a Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably not. Derek Carr, same thing. You're not going to re- replace Jones with those guys. So the Giants kind of split the difference. They gave him a two-year contract, which to me, well, it's not a two-year contract. It's a four-year deal worth over $40 million per year. But the way it breaks down, they can certainly get out of it after the first two years with very minimal hit to their cap. So that was the right play again. If, if things work out with Daniel, if they have him on a four-year deal now. It'll be below market by the time... That second and third year come up. They'll not be one of the lower paid starting quarterbacks. So it works out for them in that, and I think they do believe there's still upside there as they improve around him. If things don't work out, the Giants bomb out this year, they could draft a quarterback next year. They'll have the option to trade Daniel. He could be a, a bridge starter, he could be a backup, number of things that can just probably outright cut him if they wanted. But they're not stuck to him for anything more than two years, at least from a financial standpoint, and one as the locked in starter. So thought that they played that well, um, and we'll see. You know, it's going to be up to Daniel and the front office and the coaching staff to put together a better plan around him. And you know, we'll get into that. So overall, in free agency, a similar approach, right? The Giants did not lock themselves into long-term money. Bobby Okereke, the linebacker from the Colts, he got the biggest deal, a four-year contract, over, a little bit over $40 million, two years guaranteed, and then they can be out of that deal. They've signed Slayton back, two-year contract, small money. They can get out of that after the year. Uh, Raheem nunez Brochest, three-year deal. They can get out of it after two years. Sean Robinson, one-year deal. Um, and then even Darren Waller, who they brought over in the trade, didn't have a lot of guaranteed money left. They did kick some down the road, but it's another deal they can get out of after two years. So just from a a roster building standpoint and the organization's direction, they're clearly hedging their bets here. I think they know that war work needs to be done, but I think they also understood that this wasn't the time for the Giants to jump into free agency and start spending wild. So they did a good job there. Now, in terms of the roster and what they brought in, Let's start with the defensive side of the ball. And I mentioned Bobby Okereke, and he is the leader of a theme, right? The Giants clearly set out to get better as a run defense. I believe they were 27th in the NFL last year, and it was bad. And, you know, looking in the division, Cowboys, you know they're going to be physical up front. You know they're going to run the ball. And the Eagles are a juggernaut, you know, between the passing game, the running of Hurts. They had Sanders last year. We'll see who they replace him with. I know they got Rashad Penny now. There's rumors about Derrick Henry, Bijan Robinson. Like The Giants are going to have to compete with those teams on the ground to even have a shot at beating one of them next year. So that was the theme. What I love about Robinson and uh, Nunez Roches, well, I'm going to call him Nacho, right? That's his nickname. Two guys who both played in Super Bowls in the last few years, both won, veterans, middle of their career, they raised the floor of the backup defensive tackles behind Lawrence and Williams. I don't think anybody can name the backup, the third defensive tackle on the Giants last year. I think it was uh, Jelly Ellis, number 71. Um, fat piece of crap. Like, just was not a good player. So uh, Giants clearly came out looking to upgrade that side of the ball, and particularly up front. That was a key issue. So happy there. And again, it's all short-term contracts. It's building the depth of the roster, but it's not breaking the bank. The Giants aren't investing as these guys as part of their future. These are hedge guys with the exception of O'Karake. Uh Secondary, they didn't do really anything. They, they lose Julian Love, who, you know, I know they drafted Dane Belton and Justin Pinnock was solid for them last year, but th- these guys are not on Julian Love's level. There's certainly hope that maybe they can... You know, play better, move into that level. I'm sure they'll look to add here in the draft, but it looks like they'll go into the season with a uh, you know, major question mark at the safety spot next to Xavier McKinney. Cornerback, they signed, uh, I'll try to say his name right, Amani Oluwari. Um, you've never heard of him when I just said that, so that's the first thing you should know. He probably stinks. He was a fifth round pick from the Lions a few years ago. Um, I think it's pretty well known that the Lions are looking at corner help in this draft. So clearly this guy uh, is nothing more than a camp hopeful. Somebody that they think can maybe provide some depth, that has some experience. But again, have you ever heard of the name Amani Oluwariye, a former fifth-round pick from the Detroit Lions? Probably not. So this guy probably sucks. Offensively, um, let's start with the losses. Feliciano gone... Gates gone so essentially the two centers from last year are gone leaves a hole there and it'll be curious how the Giants decide to tackle that Um, Shane himself has mentioned Ben Bredesen uh, as a possible option sliding over from guard to center I could see that you know he held his own out there at left guard last year assuming they're going to try to move Josh Azuda the third round pick from a year ago into the starting spot or at least give him an opportunity to do so so I can see that. Also, think they'll probably look in the draft, but we'll get to that. But clearly, a, a major hole at left tackle. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, guard. Center. dirt truck, Hole at center. Left guard, right guard, right tackle, left tackle. No real changes there. Uh, pretty much everyone else is back. No departures. Um, nobody off the top of my head came in from the outside either. Pass catchers. So... Before we get to Waller, because he's the big story, very glad Darius Slayton is back. Underrated player, clearly not a number one receiver, probably not even a good number two. But he, he's been the most productive giant receiver, essentially, over the last four or five years. So for the two years, I think it's like he can earn up to $16 million with incentives. Certainly worth bringing him back at a position of need. They don't really, you know, they've got injuries there, uh... Sterling Shepard coming off another major injury. Wanda Robinson off an ACL. Who knows what those guys will be back. So I thought just bringing back a familiar face for Daniel made a lot of sense for the Giants. And I was glad that they did that. Now, unfortunately for the Giants, this is an odd offseason. Typically, through the draft, through free agency, through trades, at least over the last you know two or three years, finding... Quality wideouts has not been an issue. It's been deep in the draft. There's been players in free agency, players available to trade. I mean, I mean, just last offseason, you saw uh, Hill from the Chiefs head to the Dolphins. A.J. Brown, unfortunately, came to the Eagles. Uh, Cowboys traded. Uh, Amari Cooper away. So receivers are moving. Uh, and then even just in the draft last year, you see Olave come into the league, has a big year with the Jets. Uh, Garrett Wilson stud right away. This was an off season where the top receivers in the class were Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith-Schuster. And I don't think any Giant fan was really interested in either of those guys. Those guys didn't seem like fixes, guys that would get overpaid. You know, I guess you could throw Alan Lazard in that mix. Just not difference makers who were going to get paid at the top of this year's wide receiver market. Um, I mean... I, trade, Brandon Cooks was moved. But, like, is Brandon Cooks good anymore? Um, Again, a similar player to what the Giants already have for the money. You know, it was a low draft pick the Cowboys traded for him, but just not a a really appealing taste. So the Giants went by committee here at the wide receiver spot. They bring back Slayton. They tender Isaiah Hodgins on his deal. And I, I think you have to be optimistic about Hodgins. Came in in the middle of the year and really came on late. Just a sound, solid football player. Again, not a number one, probably not even a number two, but a professional wide receiver. Uh, they bring Shepard back, hoping that's just a camp body because let's be honest, Shepard is not going to make it through another season. And as much rah-rahing as he might do on the sideline, it, it, it's not worth the roster spot. Love Sterling, but you know, put him on the coaching staff. Um, they let Richie James go. They sign Paris Campbell. I think the idea there is. Better pedigree, bigger, stronger, faster. The Giants will think in their offense. Campbell, who you know, who was who has been a bust essentially for the Colts, did have his best season last year. You know, you hope that that can improve a, a six hundred to seven hundred yard receiver, gets you three, four touchdowns, and it's just solid. So, with that, the Giants were kind of searching for perhaps. Um, not the traditional route to upgrade their passing attack. And we got the Darren Waller trade. So, as I lit up my stogie here, the Waller trade was a no brainer. Part of the Kadarius Jones trade, Giants get back the 100th pick of the draft. They send it to the Raiders for Waller, who, let's be honest, he's been out and injury prone the last two to three seasons, but he is an elite talent. The Giants now have a player in their passing game who can perform at an elite level for his position. A a 1,000-yard, 1,100-yard season with seven to eight touchdowns is doable for this guy. Um, We know Mike Kafka coming from the Chiefs, big emphasis on the tight end there. You're hoping that he knows how to work with him, keep him on the field, and they can get big things out of him. So he'll stretch the middle of the field for the Giants, um, but it is a very small in stature, class. A lot of guys who operate out of the slot or the middles where they're best out of, and you could even throw Waller in that. But total no-brainer move for the Giants. He had very little money due past this season. So just a good job by Joe Shane to kind of think outside the box to make sure that they at least rolled the dice on what could be a Pro Bowl talent for the Giants, something that they've been lacking uh, since Odell, really. All right. So... That kind of wraps up the free agency. Overall, again, just to reiterate, loved the Giants' approach. Didn't overspend, didn't overtrade for anybody, didn't wind up giving Saquon a long term contract. They got Jones back on a short term deal that they can maneuver out of if need be. So they left themselves multiple avenues. All right, and the the Giants, right now, we're looking at it as we're going to go to the draft. We're going to look to last year's draft. We had two top 10 picks. Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal. You go back to draft class a year before. Obviously, Kateri's Tony's gone. But Aziz Ojalari. like, these are the three most important players for the Giants. These are high picks, guys who have flashed ability. They need them to become what Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence did. Difference makers. These are, you know, big guys, all of them, that can start to... Regain that identity of the New York Giants as a team who's not going to get pushed around anymore. So that's where they're headed here, and we'll, we'll talk quickly about the draft. You know what that sound means? It means the draft is just two days away. Um, just to be clear here, take my opinion on the draft with a grain of salt. I don't scout. I don't like. I'm not one of those guys who says I know. I watched his tape. And he's got heavy hands and quick feet. I don't, I don't do that. I do watch those guys' videos. I watch Talking Giants, Bobby Skinner and Justin Pennick. Love the work that they do. Um, you know, other draft shows, Path to the Draft, if I can catch it. I listen to a lot of draft podcasts. So essentially that type of stuff and watching YouTube highlights is what I'm gleaming most of my opinion on. But more or less what I want to just look at is the direction the team will go into um, more than so, who, who they'll pick. Going into the draft, I think it's pretty obvious there's four main needs on the team. All right, we have edge, rusher, in my opinion, offensive line, wide receiver, cornerback slash secondary. is in bad shape, folks. Uh, Dory Jackson, starting caliber NFL cornerback, one year left on his contract. Xavier McKinney, he's flashed. He had, you know, his rookie year was essentially a wash. Sophomore season, he had a big year. Last year, not as productive. He had the incident with his hand. Uh, player the Giants are excited about, but again, one year left on his contract. Behind that, Dane Belton. You know, every team has a fourth round pick that they think could possibly be good. Most of these guys don't turn out to be good. Pinnock, you know, kind of the same thing, right? Cut by the Jets, came to the Giants last year. He was solid, but, you know, could you expand his role into a starting role? You know, who knows? Like, history says probably not. Across from Adore uh, Adore Jackson, you have, you know, Aaron Robinson. You know, he was the third-round pick just a couple years ago, has not been able to stay on the field. Didn't really look all that great when he did. Um, you know, he can possibly compete in the slot also with Darnay Holmes. Darnay's solid. You know, if if the Giants had more fourth round picks like Darnay Holmes, they'd have a much deeper roster than they do. Um, and then you have Cordero Flott. So basically by seeing him the least, you have the most excitement for him with both Robinson and Holmes. It looks like there's a ceiling there, particularly with Robinson where it's hard to see him beating anybody out for the uh, starting job. So Flot will get a shot, but again, this is a third round pick, undersized guy, very thin. You know, he definitely made some plays towards the end of the year and started to look a little bit better. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, a third round pick, you know, it, it's a crapshoot with that stuff. So we'll see. Obviously, the Giants will have to look to draft into both of those spots. I would, I would anticipate a corner going in the first two rounds. Um, and a safety probably somewhere in the mid rounds. I think four and five. They have two and five. So somewhere there um, They did sign Bobby McCain um, From Washington now, I've watched the Redskins play every year at least twice a year I've never noticed McCain so Could be just a jag, but I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I know anything about him. He's a veteran who's played you know, I guess he's probably the floor for them in terms of if all else fails, we at least know this guy can can play. Um, offensive line, we know Thomas, we know Neil are going to be the tackles. Not much behind them. Um, Matt Parrott sucks, obviously. There's um, the other guy, Phillips. He stepped in for Neil, and there wasn't a big drop off. But that's really more about the fact that Neil wasn't very good as a rookie. Um, we've got a all-pro caliber left tackle manning the left for us, so we, we know what we have in Andrew. Mentioned it before, though. Evan Neal, his improvement or lack thereof is going to be paramount to where this team goes. He has to be a good player. Seventh overall pick, huge, strong. Alabama has to be good. Can't be below average. They they can't afford flowers here. We can't afford to be having a situation where, in a year or two, we're talking about moving this guy to guard. He needs to man that right tackle spot for the Giants. And if he does that, the other pieces will fall into place easier. But, as of right now, you're looking at an interior line of Mark Lewinsky. You know, they signed from the Colts last year. You know, most all-line guys will tell you he's just okay, getting older. Probably his last year with the Giants. Ben Bredesen, again, okay. You know, didn't kill the Giants, but he was in a rotation with Nick Gates, who they let walk. Josh Azudu played early, you know, was promising. A guy they're going to hope can battle to start this year, um, or at least take the job over at some point during the season. But, I mean, I just read you the list. They still have Shane Lemieux, who let's, you know, another guy can't rely on getting on the field. So if you just look at the interior of the Giants, they don't really have a foundational player in there. Uh, I guess you could say they're hoping Azudu is, but again, every team has third-round picks that they're hoping become foundational players. It doesn't happen often. Uh, Not to say that it can, but the Giants can't bank on that. They're going to have to use the draft here. I think they need to take two players um, within the top five rounds again you know maybe a center in round three and another in four or five but they need to throw more bodies more lottery tickets in there to give themselves a shot uh ben jones from the titans is still out there i assumed he was going to wind up with the jets but they re-signed conor mcgovern um, so makes a lot of sense it'd be a stopgap veteran but at least again provides a floor level for the giants where there's a guy that's been an nfl caliber starter Wideout, again, similar theme to the last few spots. The only guy really with a set in stone long term future here at the wide receiver position is Wandell Robinson by virtue of his draft slot. He has three years left on his contract. Shepard's a one year deal. Paris Campbell's a one year deal. They brought in Jameson Crowder. That's a one year deal. You know, Slayton, two years. Isaiah Hodgins one-year deal. Now, they'll have options on him, so you'd you think he'd stick around, but if you look three years down the road, there's nobody here besides Wandel. And Wandale's a five-eight receiver who tore his ACL in his rookie season. So, it's, it's, it is still a bleak outlook. I, I think the Giants have a bunch of floor-level players, you know, and some middle-tier players, but they, they, they still don't have that guy that you could build a passing attack around. Again, This doesn't seem like the type of draft where there's a Hakeem Nick sitting there at number 29. There's a little bit more question marks about those players. So to me, the overall theme for the Giants is those are the biggest needs, right? I mentioned Edge 2. That would probably be fourth. Mainly there is beyond Ojalari and Thibodeau, you have Ellerson, Smith, who's just another one of those fourth-round guys that the team was hoping would be good, who just hasn't been good, right? He barely plays. When he does, he does nothing. Oh, Shane Zimenez, a past third round guy they hoped to be good, sucks. He's out of here, hasn't signed a contract. And they have Jahad Ward, who I love Jahad Ward, but again, one year deal, older player, really more of a locker room guy, not anything to write home about. So there is a need for an edge behind those guys. And and I do also worry about the size with both Ojalari and Kayvon, they're undersized guys really speed edge rushers. You know, Kayvon has probably more upside to be more of a a power player. That run defense stunk, and those guys were a part of it. So if they can add somebody there with a little more bulk, that maybe you trade Ojolari next offseason, right? And and you kind of reshape your team a little bit. So just something to think about there. But I just gave you four major needs, right? And the Giants only have so many draft picks. They have four in the first four rounds. Let's be honest, everything after that is a real stretch. I mean, you're already stretching it once you get into, like, pick 50 and up. You know, that's where the Giants' second-round pick is. So they're not going to be able to aggressively target everything that you want. So it's very key to me is whatever they do, pick the best players available at premium positions each step of the way. If things are equal, you go to the the, the need-based, right? Obviously, they'll have to adjust the board. If there's a good corner and a good wide receiver, or they have them equally graded, but they think it's a deeper wide receiver class, then you go wide receiver for something like that. But don't reach, don't force it, don't try to fix something that can't be fixed and waste the asset. So to me, it's just get the best player available at a premium position, which wide receiver is, which cornerback is. You know, interior offensive line, a little bit less, but still important on the offensive line. And then edge is obviously premier. Those are the premier spots that the biggest needs draft the best players at those positions as they come. If that means we have two corners after the first two rounds, so be it. We don't have to always be like, well, I filled one hole, now I filled the next one. You can build strengths, right? And that is something something to lean on. And, you know, if you take two corners and they pan out, that's a that's a major switch for your franchise. Um, last thing, just five guys I like, and again, this is just from YouTube videos when I'm stoned and shit. I'm not I'm not an expert here. I'm not a film guy, uh, but you'll see a theme. These guys fit the positions we discussed. Uh, Kalaji Kansy. He's the only outlier, defensive tackle, but he really is a pass rusher. He's fifth for me because he is undersized. Now, he's one of those guys whose highlight tapes, when you watch it, you're like, this guy gets a sack on every single play, apparently, because um, it's a six-minute video of him just getting tackles for loss and sacks. You don't, you don't see any of the negatives, but you clearly can see he, he's got some pass rush juice. He's small, though. I believe he weighed 280 at the combine. That's very small. You're talking about a rotational pass rusher inside that's something that could be tough to build around particularly with the first round pick and the commitment that goes along with it so I don't think he'll be on the Giants board but he does intrigue me uh Miles Murphy edge out of Clemson again going off his highlight tapes and, and what I read this seems like where he's going to go somewhere between 20 and 30 you know depending on uh how teams view it probably the fourth defensive end in the class but just looks like a solid two-way player I don't think you're you're going to be drafting a guy with That has home run potential. But again, uh, this doesn't seem like a great draft on paper. So hit some singles. That's fine. You know, just don't whiff on anything. Uh, Third, Osiris Torrance. Guard from Florida. He's probably my favorite. I don't know why I have him third. But Osiris Torrance. And the only reason he's my favorite is because sometimes there's certain prospects where they're projected to go later in the first round. And it's not because they have any real weaknesses in their game. There's maybe not necessarily that one dominant straight, but they're just very solid across the board. That's what it seems like when I read about him and and listen to podcasts about him. I don't think he gave up a sack in college, right? He he could have went to the pros from Louisiana. Uh, He followed his offensive line coach to Florida in the SEC. Still didn't give up a sack, so never gave up a sack in college. That sounds like a good thing to me. Uh, Deontay Banks, corner from Maryland. As keeping it as real as I possibly can, you just hear that he's big, strong, and fast, and he plays nasty, and that he could play man. Wig Martindale wants to play man, just seems like it made a lot of sense to me. And again, he seems to be falling in line with this range. And frankly, actually, it'd be probably unlikely we would hit 25. Last one is uh Zay Flowers for me, and I also think this is the guy who the Giants wind up selecting, not necessarily at 25. I think if he gets to 20, 21, they may start to inch up. Again, just going off of the consensus, what I've read, what I've watched on his YouTube highlights, he's another small guy. But I think the Giants are in a beggars can't be chooser spot here. They gotta just kind of take the best receiver they can if they're there. You know, obviously I don't want them to reach on it, but he seems like the guy. All these prospects are kind of jumbled up. They're, this doesn't seem like anybody stands head over and shoulders above the other so if that were the case i would probably go with either flowers or um uh, from florida the guard so we'll see what they do um, first solo pod hope you enjoyed it going about 35 minutes try not to say um almond too much and uh we'll see what the giants do um prelude to a big Nets offseason. We'll get into that. Uh, I think me and Sam are going to do a draft recap. So we'll see what the Giants wind up doing. Uh, For any Jet fans listening, congratulations on Aaron Rodgers. But if you're a Jets and a Nets fan, you know exactly how that's going to end. So good night to everybody. Enjoy the draft. Go Giants. And I guess go Nets.